0: All right, well, I will go to the back room with the barmaid to see what she can tell me.
1: Okay, sounds good. You go to the back room, and we fade to black.
0: Wait, wait, what? Uh, wh- why are we fading to black? I wanted to ask her some questions about where to find the amulet of Keisha. Uh,
1: no, no, no. There's, if there's the slightest possibility of this becoming an intimate encounter, um, we just we're just going to fade to black.
0: But, but...
1: No, we're fading to black.
0: Okay, but can I? Yeah, yep,
1: still black, still there. Okay, done. Okay, you come out of the back room, and now you know where the amulet of Kishi was last seen in the old sewers of town.
0: Okay, um, can we at least say that I brought my shield, you know, for protection? This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about running intimate encounters. Hey everyone, this is John,
1: And this is Danielle.
0: And before we begin, let's just have a little disclaimer out there. Um, This topic may not be suitable for all audiences. We usually try to make our episodes really broadly consumable by any ages in any sort of environment. And while we're still going to try to cover this topic in that fashion, uh, we fully understand that there are going to be some topics that, that maybe uh, some listeners are more uncomfortable listening to. So we do want to make sure uh, just to let you know uh, before we continue on. Also, before we get started, I do want to say thank you to Daniel Mello for submitting the idea for this episode. Uh, he submitted it through our website. Uh, if you have something that you would like to hear us talk about, something that you maybe you'd like to hear, have some more context on, or you just like to hear people talk about, uh, make sure to go to our ideas form, uh, becomingdm.com/ideas, and we would love to hear from you about what uh, what you'd like us to talk about. So go do that now. Uh- well, listen to the Absolutely. episode, then go do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do both. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and get started. And and I think that uh, the, the first place that we need to talk about is that Session Zero. What do you think, Danielle?
1: Oh, I, I love Session Zero. I'm a huge, huge fan of Session Zero. And it comes big into play when you're talking about something um, which is as sensitive as a topic as uh, intimate encounters within the gameplay of Dungeons and Dragons or any tabletop role-playing game that you're actually playing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because really this is, this is really one of those topics that you don't want to just spring on your players with no notice. (laughs) Yeah, that would be really uncomfortable.
1: You know, generally in real life, it's not it's not something you really want to spring on people anyway. <laughs> true,
0: true. Uh, but when when we talk about having a Session Zero, and again, we, we've we talked about Session zeros several times before, this is not to say that you as the DM can't run the game that you're hoping to run. It's really to make sure that everybody that's playing is on the same page. And, and even at that point saying, well, maybe we need to go our separate ways because the type of game you're wanting to play and the type of game I'm wanting to play are really different. Uh, but if we get past that part, you could come to where there's kind of a a spectrum of of things when we talk about in, intimate encounters and it, it could go from where there are no intimate encounters to anything goes. And you kind of when we talked about this before, Danielle, you kind of mentioned like a movie rating guy. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Well, yeah, because the, like the movies, when you go to see a movie, they've already built this this rating guide. And everybody has a pretty good understanding about how it functions, right? So when you're doing your Session Zero, you can kind of talk with your players. And with movies, you have G, PG, PG-13, R, and X. And you can kind of use that to um, help everybody kind of gauge where they want the game to be. I know a, a lot of games run, I think, around PG-13. Uh, But giving your players that option of, you know, maybe everybody at your table votes, yeah, we want an X-rated campaign. You know what? Go for it, I guess, if everybody wants it. But if you've got a bunch of people choosing G and one person choosing R, um, you know, you might need to look at how that gameplay is going to work and have a discussion with everybody.
0: Yeah, and this is one of those areas where I do recommend that you have... um some sort of private survey when, when you do this, because you don't want to feel like any one person is singled out. Like maybe everybody's G and there's that one person that's X and everybody's like, oh, what's with this guy? Uh, so one of the things that that um, in, a, in a game I recently started playing in, the DM did, was he actually handed out these sheets and said, hey, this is a survey. I want to know uh, a lot of stuff. and And some of the stuff was just like, What kind of things are you interested in in the game? Uh, uh, Role playing versus combat versus exploration and all that stuff. And um, for, for the intimate encounter stuff, he basically took said, yeah, we're not going to have any sort of sex thing on the table. And his quote, and I I really enjoy this, I work with some of you and I have to see you in the office the next day. So that's just not going to happen. (laughs) Because that is the one thing that you need to consider as a DM is, is if there is uh, an intimate encounter like this going on or multiple, you're going to probably be involved in every single one of them. Uh, It's not like you can just sit this one out typically.
1: No. And that's, I I did read one quote when I was going through uh, reddits about this and it said, sex in D&D is just sex with the DM. <laughs> 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 and generally it is because it's like, I mean, if you, if your players end up wanting to do something and they, they start role playing with each other, um, I mean, that would be interesting. But a lot of times they're interacting with NPCs, which is generally the DM. Um, so you also need to have a very good idea about where you stand with this. It's one thing for all your players to be comfortable, uncomfortable, whatever, but if all of a sudden they all vote for R or X and you would have rathered have G, that's something you need to be very upfront about um, at the beginning. Otherwise, the table's going to get real weird real fast.
0: Yeah, and sometimes you just need to clarify... I know that you're you're okay with that, but are you also okay with down here uh, at the G level instead? Uh, because sometimes it's just a matter of like saying like Yeah, I'm okay with whatever, but I'm also okay with whatever. So if we play at a different level than than R or whatever, then that's fine.
1: Absolutely, and and it. De- no matter what it is, whenever you choose what, what rating the general table is going to be at. And so if you choose PG-13, it's fine if most of the time is PG. You can kind of creep up to that R. But, you know, keep it PG-13 as best you can. But you also need to set expectations for how those types of encounters are even going to be handled. Um, so like we did in the intro, where you just immediately fade to black at the risk of it.
0: Yep. So the The other thing that we want to talk about here is and this, and then we'll kind of get into a little bit more details on what we're considering intimate encounters. Uh, is that consent is extremely important in these uh, in these types of situations if you're having these intimate encounters because um, again, you don't want to just ambush one of your players who is not expecting this. Uh, or it has no interest in in participating in this and forcing their character into that situation. So, again, in 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 session zero, if if the if the the group has all decided that these types of encounters are okay, you also need to establish what does consent look like. Uh, is it simply a matter of somebody continuing to role play along with you? Is there some sort of out of character Um, yes, we're good with this, move on, a thumbs up or whatever. Whatever that may be, you need to establish what that looks like for your game so that if you are in a situation that maybe somebody agreed to you before and then they realize, maybe I'm not as comfortable with this specific situation as I thought, um, that there's a way out.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna circle back to something that we've talked about before that just something that we said and, and I really liked it was having the card with the X on it mm-hmm. that a player can produce flip, um, you know, throw into the middle of the table whatever they're doing just to be that nice signal nobody has to verbalize um, the issue that they're having with the current, Anything. It doesn't need to be this particular type of encounter, but there's a lot of sensitive topics that come up in general life or, or Dungeons and Dragons because we're trying to replicate regular life in, in a medieval way. <laughs> <laughs> but having that, that card or something like that that you can throw out and then and that can be what consent looks like in your campaign. It's like if it's, if you don't put out this card or if you don't raise your hand or as long as you keep talking, you know, it's it's fine.
0: Yeah, I think that the the big thing is it is it does need to be some sort of active action from the player. We can't just assume that by continuing on, everybody's okay. So if that active action for your your table is like, if you continue role playing with this, then we're good. Uh, be very careful and check in with players after the game just to make sure that that they're still on board with that being the consent. But if it's something like requiring a card don't requ- i my thought is don't require a card to say no require a card to say yes let's move forward because again the th- this is one of those things where you want to tread very lightly until you're sure of exactly where everybody stands on this
1: Mm-hmm. and yeah because you don't you don't want to force a character or player into a situation that they're not comfortable with yep it can really um, really hamper their experience with, with D&D as a whole. I've, I've met too many people who've had one bad experience and just never engage with the game again, which is a crying shame because as we all know, we, we do all know because we're all listening to this or talking about it, D&D is awesome. It's a, it's a great game and it sucks when somebody does an action that causes somebody to be so uncomfortable or so distressed that they never want to engage with the game again.
0: I totally agree. So uh, let's maybe move on and and talk about what we're really defining as intimate encounters. And and when when I say it, I, I kind of see it as as three things again along sort of a spectrum. And and the first one is where you'll probably have more people okay with it, uh, and then we kind of get more and more away from that uh, beyond there. <laughs> so the first one is going to be that basic flirting. So. You could see this this um, uh, be necessary in interacting with certain NPCs, um, um, stuff like that. What what about the other other two, Daniel? What do you kind of see those other two as?
1: Well, once you move off of basic flirting, then you get into. Well, flirting is just talking or, like, uh, just touching someone's arm or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We all know. We've all tried to flirt before. I'm not saying we've all succeeded, but we've tried. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But when you move on from that, you start including things more like physical activity that are not used in things such as combat, um, which would be, like, uh, caresses or kisses or um, hugs, I guess. Hugs can obviously be non
0: now I wanna I wanna call out like I really like the uh, the meme where I sneak up behind the the orc and try to push him off the cliff and you you, you roll poorly and you actually caress him on the neck or something like that. That's... <laughs> so I guess you could maybe include them in combat, but hey,
1: <laughs> it's a very good combat tactic. It's like uh, it's, just throw them off, you know. Never let them guess what you're gonna do next.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then and then beyond that you you have kind of the um I what what I think was initially intended when this idea was submitted for for uh, a discussion topic was actually sex with the characters and whatever NPCs or whatever that's out there. And and again, this is probably the one that requires uh the most uh potential buy-in from from uh, players and DMs alike, uh it's going to require the most uh guardrails on what we will and will not accept. Um all of that stuff.
1: Mhm. You definitely get into touchy territory when you're when you're at that that final level, the zenith of the of the realm, if you will. But uh yeah, that's you got to be very very careful around that stuff. If you have people around your table who aren't comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um it's
0: just yeah. <laughs> um. So let let's move on, Daniel. Um. Yeah. <laughs> why why would somebody want to use any of this in their game? Is is there really a purpose in Dungeons and Dragons for Bards. all this stuff?
1: <laughs> Bards. <laughs> um. Yeah. Basically, it's just. There is a purpose to some of this stuff, or to all of this stuff, depending on the campaign that you're running. And I know a lot of people, you know, bards are the first thing that come into my mind, obviously, when we talk about flirting and and all this stuff in in Dungeons & Dragons, because that Mm -hmm. that high charisma score, they're just running around, you know, doing what bards do. Um, But maybe they're trying to get information out of somebody, just from basic flattery, right? So... Yeah, you know, a lot of people love being flattered. That works for NPCs too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can flirt and and flatter people and see if you can get some information. Um, you know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and and if uh, if some if somebody's not used to using flattery to get their way, I could see where this could really innocently lead to flirtation to some extent, just based upon what gets said back. And and so you go from this very. Uh, we'll say a really innocent spot where maybe you didn't have to have any sort of guardrails, and you you if you keep on moving and moving and moving down a certain path, then you very quickly to get to where you're like, oh, where have I gotten myself? What have I gotten myself <laughs> into here? So. Again, even if there's not intent to have something develop into an int- intimate account, uh, intimate encounter. Wow, I've got to get better at saying that. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's still possible uh, with with zero intent there that that it could lead down this road.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's it's just kind of the nature of how some things go, especially if, if all of a sudden the characters start hitting it off. Everybody gets too into role-playing, and they're picturing this scenario, and it's just the natural progression, and pretty soon you're like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> no, no. Tap the brakes. I, I, I don't know how this happened, but, <laughs> but let's just go grab a drink instead, shall we? <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so another way that you might find this happening in your game is because there are Official monsters that that are written with the intent of these kind of intimate encounters. Uh, I'm thinking like your succubus and incubus, um, the selkie who is like a seal creature that turns into uh, a, a person and and kind kind of use their wiles to uh, to lure people in. Um, nymphs, uh, definitely certain demons. I mean, there are demons that are that are like demons of lust and stuff like that. So all of those. Mm-hmm. Are, are, if you're going to have that type of, of bots in your game, and, and there may be a reason, there may be something that thematically that requires this to be in your game, then um, it can definitely lead to these types of encounters.
1: Yeah, it, it sure can. And that's why having the session zero about knowing how you're going to deal with these things before this, die, especially if you know that they're going to be running into... Into like a sex demon. <laughs>
0: it's like, it, it, it,
1: we're gonna want to clarify well beforehand about how everybody feels about dealing with this,
0: <laughs> right? And and sometimes, depending upon how you integrate it, you can have it be where where it's obvious that that's what this is, but the the um, the sex, the lust, the whatever happens with the NPCs and the and the player characters are are somehow going against like this um this demon sex cult or whatever. Uh and and, and so as as players it, it may not be directly involved but but the topic could still potentially come up um that you would need to somehow address.
1: hmm And that's why knowing what you're gonna deal with it I, I always prefer the fade to black thing, but uh then you just don't have to talk about it maybe the actions of the players though are pulling them towards an intimate encounter. So even if you're you as the DM are trying to just just fade it to black, fade it to black and you're just trying to bypass it or sidestep it or talk your way around doing certain things and a player is just <laughs> just walking into it whether they know it or not because sometimes yeah. that can happen. Yep. Um especially if they don't know that they're dealing with a succubus?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, another way that this could also end up in your games is if the DM has a significant or or a player has a significant other in the game. Uh, my personal recommendation is in this case is to completely take this off of the table because the last thing that everybody else at the table wants to see is a window into the <laughs> intimate life of your relationship when you're not playing D&D. And and let's face it, if if you have this significant other and you're playing together and it boils down into let's say a sex scene, um it's likely that you're going it, to it, it's probable, I don't know if I would say likely, it's probable that you're going to bring some stuff up from your personal life uh into that situation <laughs> uh depending upon the the obviously the players and the DMs, but as a result, just 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 don't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, for the sake of everybody's comfort at the table. Uh but you know, if it is something that you're interested in, we will talk more about that a little bit later in this in this episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, like we just said don't do it. Now we're talking saying we're gonna talk about it later. Trust me, it's okay. We'll talk about it later. You'll be you'll understand what we're talking about. It's not gonna be a big deal. <laughs> Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way? Or maybe you just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a, a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. So let's move on and talk about running games where you've got some flirting going on because this really is probably the most common uh, intimate encounter that that you may have to deal with as a DM because uh, as we said, flattery can learn, lead to this. Maybe maybe uh, the players see that this is the way uh, past some objective is is through flirtation. Uh, so you you and, and probably the thing that that. On the on the scale of of acceptable versus not of the things we've talked about so far, probably the one that more people are going to say is acceptable. So oh yeah, yeah. So, um, before you get, before you get into an encounter where where there is going to be flirting involved, you kind of need to establish for yourself um, first off what's actually achievable by the players. With this flirtation, and I, I I'm not, I'm not saying like, are they gonna take it to the next level or, or something like that. But if they're flirting with somebody to get information, we need to understand if if that's if that's a, a path that is acceptable. So, um, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, what are some some other ways, other things that you you think uh, could be accomplished there?
1: Well, I just I kind of want to take this into so. With what things are achievable during flirting, I've encountered it a lot with players at the table who who do charisma checks, mm-hmm. whether it's for flirting or just general flattery that kind of thing to try to win people over um, even if they're upset. There is a table for that which I think a lot of a lot of people that i've uh, spent time with talking about d and d don't even know that it exists but a lot of players think that if you you run into somebody who's angry super super angry and you roll a really good charisma check that they instantly just love you mm-hmm. and they're you know your favorite and it really is not supposed to work like that in D. there's uh, a table that you can find i'm not sure it might have been for 3.5 i think um, it was in 3.5 um yeah which, i did but i see? liked it though
0: Yeah, which leads me to believe that it's also in Pathfinder as well, uh, just because a lot of that stuff translates over.
1: Yeah. And so you make these roles and you basically progress them on a scale from like, I hate you to I dislike you to I'm neutral to you, that kind of thing. And and so it would be a lot of checks to kind of move somebody's attitude towards you. And it's not just, haha, I got a, uh, a 19 on my charisma check, and I've got plus eight or advantage or whatever it is. And now, you know, they want to marry me kind of thing. That's not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think that you really. So when you when you talk about this, you need to understand kind of what what is the absolute best result that could be that could be gained from this? Because when we talk about something like flirting, people are not going to Abandon their reason for existence. They're not going to say like this thing that is most <laughs> important to me in my life. Um, I'm suddenly like smitten by this person and going to give up all those values just because they said some nice words to me. So understanding mm-hmm. that I think is is really the first thing. And 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 you're absolutely right, Danielle. Just a role is not going to to suddenly make somebody like abandon all all their values to to, to help you out. Um, sure, if you roll well, it might make them look at you in a better light. It might make them potentially be able to give you some information. It might make them just not hate you anymore. <laughs> uh, but but <laughs> understanding kind of, first off, what the progression is, and second off, how far that progression can actually go through, through uh, flattery, flirtation, stuff like that, I think is really yeah. important because um, persuasion... Uh, I, I'm now talking about the, the D&D persuasion um, or diplomacy. I believe in Pathfinder I could be getting those flip-flopped. It's not mind control. It's not like I say this thing and I'm successful and they do whatever I want. It's I say these things and they, they roll against it and and if I succeed, they – think favorably of me and might do something that's in the direction that I want. But if they're not willing Mm -hmm. to go as far as I want them to go, it's not happening.
1: Yeah. And to use a concrete example is uh, think about interactions with a merchant, right? And so, if you go up to the merchant, if you flirt with them, or so your player flirts with them, or whatever, mm-hmm. and they roll really good, the merchant isn't just going to give them all of their wares for free. <laughs> if they, you know, if they roll really good, maybe the merchant gives them a ten percent discount. If they roll fantastically, maybe they're going to get a twenty percent discount. But they're not all of a sudden just going to become co-owners or sole owners of this merchant's cart, and you know, the merchant be their slaver whatever forever um it's just and i like using the merchant um cuz i i don't know all my players want to flirt with merchants to get discounts <laughs> well there's there's <laughs> also like
0: other similar examples or like you're talking to the king of the kingdom and asking him to abdicate his throne and and make you the king instead um, oh yeah no no amount of successful persuasion checks is going to make that happen uh typically i mean maybe yeah. you've got maybe you've got a king that is is mentally compromised but rolling successfully means that he's not going to kill you for making the suggestion potentially <laughs> that's, uh, that's true. <laughs>
1: yeah you might just be like oh you're 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 a funny jester person instead of i'm i'm offended with you right um So, and that's kind of how you got to take those roles. It's, and this is why you have to know how you're going to deal with this and what's going to be achievable for this specific scenario. Well, not even for a specific scenario, you just kind of have to mull these things over because as we all know, um, making decisions on the fly as a DM, there's a lot of things that you need to kind of have a decent idea about how you're going to interact with them if and when they come up.
0: Yeah, and and the kind of the last thing to consider about like what you're what what when thinking about what's achievable is maybe an NPC wants nothing to do with this character. And and if that if that's the case, no amount of flirting will will get them anywhere that they want to be. And and may in fact, regardless of successes or whatever, may in fact make the situation worse because Mm-hmm. They 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 don't want to give this person the time of day and and they keep on bothering me and it's just not going to be a good situation. So sometimes it's not even going to work regardless of how successful the the roles are.
1: Yeah, could end up with one of your PCs getting a restraining order in the town of Honeyville.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, when we when we talk about actually uh, executing this i would say that that one of the one of the biggest recommendations that i can give is is especially if you're uncomfortable with with as the dm responding to this flirting is <laughs> take it out of first person don't don't respond like you are the npc describe it in that third person narrative uh, instead of like saying instead of like when they say something you respond as alaris the 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 barmaid um, you say instead you say well Alaris looks at you um, thinks for a second and then says blah 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 um, just having that separation i think can can help deal with a lot of the uncomfortable weirdness that can happen not all of it <laughs> but but it can definitely help <laughs>
1: Yeah, it can, it can absolutely help a lot better than just looking your player directly in the eyes and just speaking from your own heart. <laughs> um, but if everybody at the table looks uncomfortable, which can definitely happen when you're getting into territory like this, uh, you can always fall back on the mechanics of the game. So if all of a sudden you find that you are in a situation, uh, that, that you maybe didn't realize you were rolling up to, or, or has just kind of sprung up, um, you the mechanics of the game always give you an out, and you can just roll like do contesting rolls for the flirting. So your charisma versus my uh, sense motive, or um, I don't know, intelligence, wisdom, depending on who they are.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on it depends on what's trying to be said. If if you really are just trying to. Um talk and convince them to gain information it might be a contested diplomacy role or or a persuasion versus sense motive um it it really is going to depend upon the situation that you're that you're doing and you as the dm can decide what those contested roles are
1: Mm -hmm. yeah you just you just got to figure out kind of roughly what they're getting after and 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 uh, go through your skill list and see what would be best for this person or this NPC or whatever to use um, against your PC, you know, in the in the contest, I guess.
0: Yeah, but absolutely don't forget what we just talked about, about what is possible with success. Because just because they beat the, the contested role by 30 or whatever doesn't mean that they get everything that they want uh again remember what those those potential successes are Mm -hmm.
1: yeah because everything's going to have a dc to succeed and like we said before if somebody just doesn't want this to happen then the dc for success is going to be uh like 50 it's like it's it's impossible for you to roll it without a ton of buffs or something
0: yeah and then the other thing is um when we think about using the mechanics for this, this actually might be, depending upon your table, just a better way to roll this anyway, because um, we've all seen it, where people that are not charismatic play charismatic uh, characters, uh, because this is this is a role-playing game. You're playing something that maybe mm-hmm. you aren't in real life, and, and you want to try out being like that in this game. So expecting that um that uh that tom at your table is is going to somehow instantly become more charismatic and know the right things to say just because he's playing this charismatic character is kind of unrealistic so you don't typically make your your fighter make like lift up the table to do his strength check so <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect necessarily for that charisma check to um To require to specifically require them uh, playing in that role,
1: exactly, and it's it's something that happens all the time. It's like just like you said, you don't your fighter doesn't always have to do his like lift tables and lift weights at the at the table to prove that he's strong. The same as we're not going to expect people to be charismatic as or should I say as charismatic as their characters, um, or as you know, as smart as their wizard kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? And this is where those roles come in. And so a lot of times what I'll do at the table is I won't get them to try to charismatically say what they want to do. I'll just flat out ask them, "What? what is the point you are trying to get across? And they'll be like, I'm trying to convince him to give me his necklace. And I'll be like, okay. And then we do the roles for it. Yep. But just ask them what their goal is. And then start with the rolls. Uh, but if you just start rolling, um, you might not exactly know what that player was going after if they're not talking about it.
0: Yeah, and if, if you've got a player that is really into trying to play the role of the, the charismatic swindler or whatever, uh, don't discourage them from doing that. But I'll, I would also say like don't make that acting necessarily sway the roles um because that that also then penalizes the people at at your table that aren't interested in doing that thing but do have a, Mm -hmm. a a character in the same sort of vein
1: yeah absolutely
0: all right so i think we've covered uh flirtation enough so let's let's move on and talk a little bit about running games that have uh that involve sex and how you deal with um with those encounters again, really needs to be determined in session zero because because <laughs> what you see is acceptable and what the players see is acceptable and vice versa are not always going to line up. So um, you do need to make sure that that you have that discussion because it could be a topic that's just not included at all. Like this is a this is a big no. We're not including this. There's no reason to have this in my game. End of story. Um, or it could be a matter where where players are okay with having the we'll call it the hint of it and instead of having any sort of activity it could be a a fade to black right
1: oh yeah fade to black is a wonderful option because we all are pretty well aware that sex exists for i think most of us i i think um that's how we came into being um (laughs) I say most of us because science is making leaps and bounds. Um, <laughs> but if if you're going to include uh, sex as an option in your game, it's it could be the best option because it prevents the rest of the table, uh, this is a big one, from having to listen to you describe it. Yep. Right? Because if you're not fading to black, then that means it's still something that's present and being described. And like, are you comfortable with describing it? Let's start there. Because even if your players want to hear you describe it, if you're not comfortable with it, you don't have to. You get a choice in this the same as they do.
0: Well, and and the thing to ask yourself as you're kind of going through some of this is, does describing that sexual act Really have an impact on your overall game because I I don't know in most cases that it does and it seems it seems <laughs> like maybe it's a, a side trip that uh, that really doesn't have a whole lot of value on on what comes out of the game maybe you run a game where it, where it is important there's some special clue that gets dropped because of how something happened uh, but I would I would guess. I- <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I would guess that that's probably not the case.
1: (laughs) That would, yep, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so a lot of, I I personally, I've been thinking about it this whole time that we've been doing this. I can't actually think about a time or reason where describing this um, would have an impact on, on, like, story progression in a large sense. I I could see it having an impact on character uh, development, Mm -hmm. right? But more in the intimate moments, not in the intimate acts, right?
0: Yeah, I could see where where maybe, like, somebody has a birthmark or a tattoo that you wouldn't see unless you were in this situation. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. you can, like, describe that that's what you saw without getting into the the nitty-gritty details of, of the actual act,
1: yeah, most definitely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I mean, that is one of the options you could describe in in detail. But again, ask yourself that question: is there is there value to the game? Um, and then, mm-hmm. just like like with flirting, one of the options that you have is to use mechanics to d- determine outcomes. Now, there was I don't know who made it. Somebody made a, a third party thing for. Uh, for 5e if you do a search you can find the 5e guide to sex which is a free pdf um, and it's pretty thorough in addressing some of these topics uh it, it covers all sorts of topics from like determining if somebody's even interested in in um in in having this uh type of relationship with you as far as npc to, to player stuff um determining things like sexual orientation of the NPCs. It's a lot of details that I probably wouldn't have in my game typically, but if it's something that that is really uh, important to you and your players and the game that you're running, it's out there and, and you can find it pretty easily.
1: Yeah, it is It is a resource that you can find. And with that resource, they also have uh, what races are attracted and coupled to each other, mm-hmm. um, as well as pregnancy, because pregnancy... Pregnancy is a thing that happens. Uh, Latex wasn't a big thing uh, back in the medieval period. Uh, And also, while I was reading up on this topic, I read uh, just as far as um, using mechanics to determine outcomes. I thought that this was funny. There was one DM who always just got their players to roll an endurance check
0: Uh when
1: they wanted to engage in this activity. Um, And the Nat Ones, I guess just turn into a real fun time
0: <laughs> <laughs> again if you're willing to describe what happens with that nat one <laughs> you just you just
1: gotta say you rolled a nat one on endurance and everybody can auto complete
0: that <laughs> there you go um but but i will i will just i we keep on saying this and i think that we need to keep on saying this because absolutely uh, you you have to remember that the game that you're running is for everyone at the table, um, and if everyone isn't having fun, then the approach needs to probably change. Uh, so if you find that you are spending uh, an hour describing this thing with one player... Ooh. And leaving out everyone else, um, not that they would necessarily <laughs> want to be involved in that, but leaving everybody else out of the game, um, that's probably indicative of a problem So, and a problem that you need to, to look to fix. Because if you don't, you're going to suddenly find that it's just you and that one player that are playing the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely need to... if. If, if it's the specific type of game that you want to run, then you need to find players who want to play that kind of game. Um, like, if you are literally not going to have fun running the game, unless it is like this, then you need to find players specifically for that purpose. Uh, but if that's not your goal, then, yeah, you do need to cater to your players. Because if you're not catering to your players, then you don't have players.
0: Yep. Now... We talked earlier about if you have where the DM and a player are significant others or have an intimate relationship outside of the game and not including that stuff that we would we would get to some options of that later. We're we're there now. <laughs> <laughs> um one of the things to keep in mind is that is that if you really want to have a a, a tabletop role-playing game where you get to explore some of those more, more intimate type interactions, then there are published adventures that are designed for two person games where, where it, it it is really supposed to be something that, that is for people that are dating, married, whatever to have, um, have an experience together. And it's designed to have these intimate encounters involved in it. So <coughs> excuse me. So if this is the sort of game that you're looking for, maybe just have a game with, with the two people um and leave the rest of the table out of it. Uh have your own sort of session.
1: <laughs> yeah. If 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 you know that this session or that you want to have a game of this type, uh then you're definitely gonna want to set up more of a private atmosphere for Whoever it is that you're engaging with this game in, and uh, as long as all parties know that that there's a very specific point and purpose to this game,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, because the the way that these are are typically written is they're going to have special rules involved that encourage um, that intip- intimacy to inc- uh, to occur both in real life as well as the game. So things happen in the game, and and like it's supposed to like they give instructions for things to do in real life again if this is something that you're looking for um i believe drive-thru rpg has some things like this um i'm betting that there's other places as well but that's one that in in research for this i i did see one there um so yeah
1: yeah they're they're definitely out there and if the only reason that you're looking to have um this particular or like an intimate encounter in the game is to be closer with uh, your significant other or others. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's better to schedule this for you know a private encounter, which <laughs> sounds weird, but yeah, schedule a private encounter if if you know that this is what you're kind of after.
0: Yeah, don't even have it be part of your your regular storyline. Have it become something completely separate uh, again, because even if you even if you say Hey, we're going to do this at another separate session with just us. And, and, but it's still part of the same storyline. You're going to have people be like, well, what happened? Because this part of the storyline, you need to know what's going on. You're like, no, that's, (laughs) so (laughs) it it would be best if if you did this as a completely separate kind of one-off thing that's not tied to your game at all and, Mm. uh, and move forward from there.
1: Well, which isn't a bad thing because as a DM, we all have creative writing capabilities and you can just have Adder.
0: Yep. <laughs> all right. So I think that we have, uh, we've had this conversation well enough. Um, yep. Um, uh, if you are considering, <laughs> uh, adding in these intimate encounters into your game, uh, again, make sure that everybody's on the same page, but best of luck to you. And, um, mm-hmm. We will be coming back at you in a couple of weeks, and we'll see you then. Until then, stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dm, On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are becoming dm. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.